Goose house. All right, we got kind of a jumpy, topsy-turvy show that goes all over the place. So let me just explain to you why. First, the first thought was that we do go in. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, the daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ancient, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan, there's a hater can stop by. Please be sure to hit subscribe down below so we can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast each and every day. That'll help make us your first listen of the day. Once you subscribe, we should pop up on your news feed. Just hit listen each morning when you're turning on your phone or other device if you're on youtube thank you for tuning back in the youtube channel it's good to see you again um again once we get up to 250 subscribers we're kind of solidly over that 150 mark we had a big weekend i think roll tide kind of rolled into our mentions a little bit more back <laughs> um and we have remember when we get over 250 subscribers one second we're gonna be giving away one of these marcus sasser t-shirts um the artist came on for a bonus episode Last week, it's a cool retro vintage graphic tee. I kept calling it like an old band shirt. He didn't like that so much. Um, and so make sure we get 250 subscribers to get that. You get to hit subscribe so we get 250 subscribers and then be commenting on videos. The you know, more likely you are to comment, the more likely you are to win the shirt. If you listen to this whole video, a bunch, a bunch of things about the Cougars and have nothing else to say, why don't you tell us if you like sweet or salty popcorn? All right, so today's episode, like I mentioned is kind of jumpy, um, and I'm sorry, it just got a lot of different things to cover. The first segment's going to be looking at uh, Houston versus North Carolina A&T, because on Tuesday night, we're playing them in basketball, and it's kind of got a lot of symbolism around the basketball game, and it's also a chance for Houston to kind of get back on track. So we got a lot of things to cover in that in the first segment. The second segment's going to be kind of looking at the AP and coaches' top 25 polls and kind of seeing what the fallout is to that for Houston after a tough loss to Alabama over the weekend in basketball and the third and final segment is going to be looking at um frankly uh i'm sure you've heard this point on other shows but the impact of what's going on with mike leach um and kind of the impact he's had on the university of houston's big sport coaching uh hires and both dana hogerson and kelvin sampson um I, that's gonna be a little tangential as the third segment but it's gonna be i think really really important and, and frankly it's it's kind of a sad story so we're gonna get to that at the end, it's hard not to get to that at some point in looking at both Holgerson and Sampson. But first, let's talk about North Carolina A&T. This is a part of the coaches versus racism series of games across college basketball, kind of this middle section of the week. And when asked about that, Coach Sampson said that it's he wants to keep this idea alive. Racism has not gone away. Uh, and just the idea that you can have these kinds of games and have someone walking by a TV at a sports bar, at a whatever, that's just hears it and thinks about it. And actually, if there's any chance at all that you can make someone think about it, it's worth playing these kinds of games. Um, he's he's comfortable talking about it. He's very quick to point out. And obviously, if you know his history, uh, his father fought the KKK in North Carolina. I mean, he's got very, very legitimate reason to, to be comfortable talking about it. He's been around being comfortable talking about uh, fighting racism and being anti-racist. has been part of his whole life. Um, but he also uh, mentioned that he gets to coach against coaches that he really, really respects. Um, the organization, this uh, Coaches Against Racism thing, was put on by Daryl Wood, who he mentioned he coached many, many moons ago. 
Um, and it kind of piggybacks off of the George Floyd uh, momentum and fighting racism from a couple summers ago. Um, he gets coached against Byron Smith this week. And then he also mentioned that, like he's in the past gotten coached against Johnny Jones from just up the street and how like those are kind of guys that he really respects both because of the fight that they fight and the places that they do their work. Um, he was really, really quick to point out too that like North Carolina A&T ain't some scrubby team, right? This is not, I mean, it is an HBCU. It's a little bit like smaller school and division as far as like the finances go compared to Houston and Houston's frankly, usually fighting those uphill battles against the Alabama's Virginia's in the world. Um, but he said, this is not some scrub group of kids. These are really good, talented basketball team. Um, they got a guard from Oklahoma state, uh, had transferred back. And he mentioned that they've already beaten UNT Greensboro on a neutral site uh, court. That's the kind of team UNT Greensboro is that like you could very likely see in the tournament more years than not. Right. Um, and frankly, it was interesting to hear him talk about that being a, this, strength in these smaller schools being a result of the transfer portal. And we don't, we don't think about it a whole lot in Houston because frankly, as Samson has accurately pointed out, they don't lose a lot of guys, to the transfer portal. So we don't think about people using it as a chance to go up or down divisions. Now Houston's got a couple guys, right? Uh, Quentin Grimes came home from Kansas. Uh, it looks like we're going to redshirt Malik Wilson this year, but he came in from Texas tech. Um, We've obviously utilized it to bring kids in, but we don't lose a whole lot of kids to the transfer portal. And while I could, you know, pat Samson and his culture and all of those things on the back, what's interesting to hear Samson talk about in relation to playing these smaller schools is that it really levels the playing field out because you're having kids that were at one point, you know, we all assumed that they were three and four and five star kids ending up at secondary and tertiary institutions at relative to where they were going initially. And that's how you get things like a talented Oklahoma A&T team. Uh, that's how you get things like the Kent State game against Houston a couple weeks ago, right? That's how St. Mary's continues to build a program. And what's interesting there is like coach was quick to point out like the Kent State game. I think everyone gave Houston a hard time about, but then they try to beat Gonzaga, right? Like they're, they play Gonzaga to the nail, right? Um, St. Mary's like, we're like, oh man, like we struggled in the first half against St. Mary's. They beat San Diego State, like not that far. I, like, like that's a team that, A, knocked off number one Gonzaga a year ago. Like these are programs, these smaller programs, the transfer portal, the NILs, and those kinds of things are kind of like evening out the playing field as a whole. Now, if I'm looking at um, what I think Houston's got to do to win this game, A, it's show up and play basketball because Houston's best and North Carolina A&T's best, Houston's best is much better. That doesn't mean that North Carolina A&T's best couldn't beat Houston on any given day, but on both teams playing their best day, they, they shouldn't. Um, this guy, Cam Woods, though, that coach alluded to, um, he's a he's a strong guard. He's at 6'2", 6'3". Um, and I, I think the interesting thing here is that he is a big-time shooting guy. Uh, he's not like... Steph Curry off the bounce shooting guy, um, but he is a 38% three-point shooter and shoots eight of them a game, right? Like, he is going to get a lot of threes up. And frankly, you know, that was kind of the way Alabama went about it over the weekend. And so seeing how Houston bounces back on keeping those guys from getting out, I mean, Alabama did it by driving the lane, kicking out for open threes. Can Houston, like, learn from their mistakes and kind of build off of that to uh, the Tuesday will be interesting. Um, the other guy I want to say to watch out for is a kid named Marcus Watson. Um, that's the Oklahoma State guy that Coach alluded to in his presser. He also then went to New Mexico State, if I'm, I'm my research serves me correctly. Um, and to be fair, he played in New Mexico State where he was a redshirt guy at Oklahoma State. Um, but since he joined North Carolina A&T, 
Uh, he's a double digit scorer consistently. Um, and frankly, he's got power five size speed athleticism. That's why he ended Oklahoma State in the first place. 6'6, 215, got a lot of good bounce. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Houston does guarding him. He's an interesting matchup. I think he'll draw Tremont Mark, whereas uh, the other kid, uh, Cam Woods, would probably draw uh, Jamal Shedd um, just based on size things. That is to say that that's what I would assume happens. Um, I guess, you know, obviously I'm open to other interpretations. We'll see what Coach draws up. I trust him. But that's what I would assume happens. I think that this is going to be a nice little tune-up game, though, for Houston to kind of get back on track going into Virginia next weekend. The biggest things would obviously be coming out of this, feeling confident, playing well, playing healthy, and overall just feeling good going into the weekend. Because, frankly, if you get out of the Virginia weekend with a win, you feel really, really good about yourself over the holidays. Speaking of the holidays, uh, let's talk a little bit about what you're going to get your folks for the holidays, because I know that I think about like, what am I going to get my dad? My dad's impossible to buy things for because frankly, A, he don't want a lot of stuff and B, when he wants some stuff, he goes and gets some stuff. But you know the stuff that you can get your dad or whomever that they might not just go get on their own or frankly, if they go get on their own, they will very quickly run out of steaks. Right, this is insane. Omaha Steaks is cutting prices up to 50% site-wide to make sure that you're the gift-giving hero that you always want it to be. The holidays are here. You can achieve gift-giving greatness when you give the perfectly gift of aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. It's everything you need that's, uh, for a gift that's simply perfect. It's in an assortment of mouth-watering favorites that are delicious butcher-cut filet mignons, air-chilled boneless chicken. they got juicy burgers. i got the menu pulled up right here. I'm getting a little mouth-watering as I'm doing this. Uh, even easy-to-prepare comfort meals that are already ready in a flash. That's more like a gift for me, though. <laughs> uh, don't wait. Order today. You can beat the shipping rush. Go to OmahaSteaks.com. Use promo code Locked On at checkout. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart. A gift that we remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order the complete confidence today, knowing that you're getting the very, very best. Visit OmahaSteaks.com. Take advantage of the 50% site-wide. Plus, use promo code Locked On to get an extra $40 off your order. Minimum order may be required. All right, now, I think what's interesting in looking at um, the basketball program is obviously coming off of the t- the Alabama game, uh, we were kind of looking at the top 25, looking at, like, what things are going to happen. Uh, obviously, had Houston won that game, they'd been the number one team again, all over again, but they didn't. And I think everyone's like, oh, man, like, Alabama's beat the, two, uh, beat the number one team in the country twice, they're going to leapfrog us. There's a couple of very talented undefeated teams that were originally behind Houston. They'll probably stay in front of Houston. And so where will Houston fall? And so the AP poll was the first of two polls. Well, I want to say the first of two polls that came out, but at least I'll just say the first one that got alerted to me. Um, And what's interesting is that the poll went in the AP poll, Purdue number one, Virginia number two, UConn number three. I think we all kind of foresaw some shakeup of those three teams happening, both because Samson has said as much thus far, and B, if you've gotten a chance watching those teams, you knew it was coming, and C, we all kind of thought that, man, if we can stay undefeated and play in Virginia, it might be like one versus two. Um, the AP poll then had Alabama leapfrogging Houston to four. I, Houston came in at number five, which means they're right on the cusp of that four spot. I'll tell you why that's important in a second. Then Tennessee six, Texas seven, Kansas eight, Arizona 9, Arkansas 10, Baylor 11, Duke 12. Now, 
I go by divisible numbers divisible by four because that's kind of how you do seeding when the tournament comes out. And it's obviously not just the eight people doing seeding. There's a whole lot of other things going into the collection selection committee and all those kinds of things. But Houston being fifth in the AP poll kind of hints at just historically they would be at the fringe of where they get a one seed or a two seed, right? Um, because the one seeds would theoretically be one through four, one, two, three, four, if they're all regionally applicable and da 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 da. Right. Uh, the two seats would then be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, playing in the opposite order akin to your snake draft kind of thing. Again, if regionality and that kind of stuff played out well. Um, what this would do is because both Alabama and Houston are southern ish, is it might actually would like theoretically have Houston and Alabama playing again in March, which would be fascinating to see the growth of both teams. Both Alabama and Houston feel relatively young and where do those teams end up by mid-March, right? Nate Oates is kind of a younger upper-and-comer. Uh, Kevin Sampson ha- did take a hiatus from college basketball, but has been coaching this game at the co- Division One college level or higher for m- longer than I've been alive, right? And so I think that's really, really important to look at. Um, the other thing I'll say, too, is, you know, what is the AP valuing here? Purdue is the top end. They've played 10 games or 10-0. and 0. Virginia, I thought, has had a more impressive run, but it's only 8-0 in their number two um, Houston's nine and one. They're number five. Notable things here, though, is a if Houston's really going to really go to the Big Twelve and make some noise next year, right behind them are Texas, Kansas, and Baylor in that top uh, eleven, twelve spots. The other thing is that um, if you were paying attention to the more national news, and if you're not, I should recommend going to, over to Locked On College Basketball. Or a, I'm giving a segment on Houston, and B, this Chris Beard story is thinking a little bit more explained. Um, but Chris Beard, head coach at University of Texas Austin. Uh, got in, I'll say some trouble. It looks like there's potential felony, uh, you know, assault at home. Didn't necessarily which family member, but de- definitely said a family member. All that's really icky and ugly and gross. And frankly, we're hoping that whatever family member that is is okay. But as this is a sports show, um, I do feel obliged to say like it's worth pointing out that Texas could kind of stumble here. Um, honestly, who knows how long Chris Beard is out if he's out forever, right? Um, there's certainly a world where it's like, no, you committed what might be a felony, you're done, right? That would theoretically take kind of Texas putting pressure on Houston kind of out of the picture there, right? Um, which would, you know, kind of ease up things a little bit. The other thing is that when you look at regions, not to look too far ahead to March, but Houston and Texas would probably both be in the same region theoretically um, if you're really truly doing it like that. And so, you know, we'll see how those kinds of things shake out. Um, you could also see, anyway, that I, we'll do a Big 12 show when we're going into the Big 12 next season, but the impacts and implications of that are super, super huge. The coaches poll is only slightly different. Um, the interesting thing about the coaches poll, though, that my Roll Tide people that came and found the show over the weekend, I think will be a little bit upset about, is the USA uh, Today coaches poll had Houston at four, Purdue, Virginia, uh, UConn, one, two, three, Houston at four, Alabama at five, Kansas at six, Tennessee seven, uh, Texas at eight. Now, that's the same eight, uh, really truthfully, all the way down to 12. The same 12 teams, just a slightly different orders. And I think it's fascinating that Houston fell to four, but did not get leapfrogged by Alabama. And this is not an Alabama show, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to enjoy it. But man, if I were an Alabama fan, and I beat Houston and did not get to leapfrog Houston, I'd be a little pissed. <laughs> so we'll see what comes out of that. Um, all in all, though, I think it's interesting to see that like Houston 
has clearly gained the respect of people across the country. And as you and I talked about on Monday's show, in recapping the Houston-Alabama game, clearly there's some evidence to say, because Houston got up by 15 in that game, double digits, smothering defense, et cetera, and really kind of drove Alabama's starters a little crazy. Alabama had to completely mix up what they did after that and do stuff that wasn't on tape. He's one quite ready for, and Houston's adjustments didn't quite work as well as you know, you'd hope for them to. Um, th- there's a world where that, that team that was up by 15 is the entire 40 minutes of basketball, and thus Houston's undefeated. Like People are noticing that aspect as well. Like, oh, this team, yes, they lost, but they shot for those court- poorly on the stretch. And they were up by 15 at one point. Like, there's also a lot of talent here because Houston did not fall that far. And again, the coaches' poll still had Houston above Alabama. Now, that could be some, you know, people upset about, you know, I don't know, maybe there's Auburn people out there upset about Alabama or whatever. But on the whole, I think that that's worth looking at. I think it's really, really key to think about. Um, as far as other things in the top 25 to look at if you're Houston, this is the painful part. Or I guess losing was also the painful part. But um, after the Virginia game, in neither a people do you see a future Houston opponent. Um, in the AP poll, uh, I said in neither a people in neither poll do you see a future Houston opponent. Um, Memphis received the most votes, and assuming that would make them like twenty sixth in the AP poll, and in the coaches poll. Um, they're a little further down the line. You got Marquette, Iowa State, Iowa, West Virginia, all ahead of them. So theoretically, Houston, unless Memphis goes on a run and then like launch themselves into that top 25 to 2019, 18 area, Houston's last chance to have a top 25 win might be this upcoming Saturday. And that's really, really frustrating for, as I spoke about with Andy on Locked On uh, College Basketball a couple weeks ago. Um, there's a lot of pressure on, these uh, smaller, div- I want to say smaller conference, but right? American Athletic Conference has a smaller budget than like the Big 12 does. There's a lot of pressure on these teams that doesn't seem fair because realistically, Houston seating might be decided before Christmas. And like that means that you don't get to be a young team making early season mistakes. Whereas if you were playing the Big 12, sure, you got a big game against Virginia this Saturday, but you would play Kansas, Texas, Baylor uh, in the Big 12 SEC thing. You might get someone like Kentucky or Auburn. And then you'd also get to play TCU and Iowa State. And those kinds of teams that are all flirting with the top 25 or in the top 25 just by being in the conference. And Houston doesn't get that. And so that just puts this crazy big weight on what they're doing this Saturday. And I'm just not sure that's fair. Speaking of being unfair and weight, I know a lot of us, it's the holidays, chocolate's a big, big deal. And it's just not fair that like chocolate is like bad for you. I they're gonna be some doctor, oh dark chocolate. The amount of chocolate I like to eat is not good for you. However, built bar is the way to go and to fix this craving. And I'm telling you, like, this is my favorite one to read of all of these things to read because Bill Bar is a thing that we've been using in my household for a really, really long time. Uh, you got to try this thing that I'm talking about, Bill Bar. They have a cookie dough topper, a brownie bar, a coconut brownie topper bar, a white chocolate peppermint granola. They got a bunch of different various. They taste like candy bars, but they are protein bars. If you haven't tried Bill Bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bars ever built. 
pun intended. Um, they are revolutionary nutrition, as we know, because they use 100% real chocolate on the outside, 17 grams of protein, shockingly low sugar and calories. Most are just 130 calories overall, 17 grams of protein and 130 calories with real chocolate on them. Not that fake crap you get put in your mouth, that gets stuck to your teeth or whatever. Just sink your teeth in that first bite and it can change your life forever. I'm not kidding. There'll be a time before you tried built bars. There'll be a time after you've had built bars. Uh, the magical, wonderful time after is to be trying out new flavors. Mine, uh, during the fall, I like the pumpkin because I'm super basic. But these days, I'm going with the, uh, it's like a mud pie. It's like a brownie with a bunch of like dusting on it. It's really, really good. Again, it is one of the 130 calories, 17 grams of protein bars. I'm telling you, it's a great, great breakfast if you're on the go like myself. Built, you got to try this. Get 15% off your order right now using promo code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. All right, so the last segment here, I think, is going to feel like Initially, if you're looking at like just the segment breakdown or whatever, like, huh, Parker's going to talk about Mike Leach in the third segment. And admittedly, um, as we're recording this, the news in uh, Mississippi it, for Mike Leach, um, Mike Leach is head football coach, Mississippi State, um, has also coached at Washington State and Texas Tech. He was the offensive coordinator in a couple of different places, including Oklahoma. Um, worth pointing out that um, I guess technically Mike Leach has not passed on yet, uh, but it sounds like he had a really, really awful, uh, I'm reading heart attack on Saturday, Sunday night um, and was in critical condition all day Monday to the point um, where um, I, I don't know. It sounded like they were asking people to come say the last words um, to, to coach Leach. And um, you know, I think that there's a part of me that wants to point out like as a coach myself, like, I take a lot of what I do from coach Leach. Um, he was kind of successful because he did things off the wall and different and broke convention. Right. Um, he invented the air raid with coach Al mummy at Iowa Wesleyan university and at Iowa Wesleyan university in the late eighties, you know, they were a school that had won, had won three or less games, 21 of the previous 40 seasons before mummy and uh, Leach got there in the lowest division of college football. And they showed up and they put in this offense, kind of crazy offense, pass the ball every play, side to side, not necessarily even down the field. Um, modern version would call it the air raid. And they went 10 and 2. And um, from there, they kind of built a program. Uh, they kind of started bouncing around college football. It kind of went their separate ways. But the air raid coaching tree family um, is ever expanding, ever, ever expanding. Um, coach got a uh, coach Leach got to Oklahoma as the OC. Eventually got the Texas Tech head coaching job. He locked a kid in the closet and then had got sent to Washington State. Um, went from Washington State to Mississippi State uh, for the SEC kind of job. Um, and frankly, on the way, did a lot of talking about um, card tricks, magic tricks, pirates. Um, I, for one, would defend the pirate metaphor, the swing your sword, and like sharpening your blade aka your tools aka your craft and then using it like you've been taught to use it and doing it as a team I, all those things were metaphors he used to constantly tie these weird eclectic things back to football <laughs> and now he's gonna be gone um anyway um 
I, I think that it's worth pointing out at Houston that like the programs we know and love would probably be not be the same and more of the impact of coach Mike Leach on college football. Um, bluntly, we talk about that team at Iowa Wesleyan uh, that went 10 and two that kind of started this revolution of air raid passing and those kinds of things. A star wide receiver on the football team was a kid named Dana Holgerson, the same Dana Holgerson that is the head coach of our universe, Houston Cougars. Uh, he's at the start, the implementation of this thing. Holgerson would follow mummy and leech then to Valdosta state where they would implement this at a much bigger level than vision. He then got to go with, um, with Leach eventually he met he met back up with Leach, I should say, at Texas Tech, initially as a wide receivers coach, and eventually a co-offensive coordinator with Sonny Dykes, the same Sonny Dykes who was taking TCU to their college football playoff in his first year on campus at uh, right there in Fort Worth. Right. Um these these systems have consistently continued to work and push the envelope as what is normal in college football. And Holgerson was there at the start of it. And Holgerson was there at the start of it with Leach. Um and, you know, Holgerson released a very, very sweet tweet. Uh, you can go look it up. But he basically called him a mentor and a friend. Um, Leach was a relatively young head coach when they met in the late 80s. Um, the the big thing to me is that this air raid was all based on, and this is a Leachism, but could be a Holgersonism if you hear it here. You screw with the defense by screwing with formations, not by screwing with place. <laughs> right? Like that, that reads like something Holgerson would say, but it's something Leach said. Um, they're very, very much connected. And frankly, their offenses are a whole lot alike. Now, Leach has had more team success. We remember the 08 Texas Tech team that had a chance to make a national title after upsetting uh, UT Austin at the last second, the Crabtree catch, right? Um, as soon as he got the Big 12, Coach Leach uh, won the Pac-12 Coach of the Year twice in his three seasons, uh, his four seasons there, I'm sorry. He was won two different National Coach of the Year's award in the same year, that uh, 2008 year at Tech, I should say. He's had success throughout his time on the football field. And again, change football, I'd argue for the better. It's a more aesthetically appealing game in a lot of ways. And also it like it's just a more creative game. It's not just like ISO dive toss, ISO dive toss. Um, for reference to how much things changed, before Mike Leach was a head coach, the leading passer in college football was Mike Perez of San Jose State, who threw for just over 3,000 yards. Um, this season throwing for that exact, just roughly the exact same amount would put him outside the top 20. Um, it's just commonplace to do the kinds of things now that were eccentric and crazy back then. We, we saw, I mean, at Houston, we saw our own pass happy offenses, right? With, uh, the, I don't know, the Andre wears the world and those kinds of things, right? I don't, uh, Ty Detmer obviously set the world on fire, at uh, BYU as well, shortly thereafter. But all this, this stuff started with Leach and a wide receiver kid named Holgerson and a wide, little kid named Holgerson on his staff. And for you know all the things I give Leach, uh, give Holgerson a hard time for at Houston, it's I want him to call this, not that. Not that the scheme doesn't work. The scheme is beautiful as far as like spacing and getting you on and where you can't do these kinds of things well and screwing with the defense by screwing with formations, right? Um do I will see him run things like quarterback power with the backside option more? Yes, I scream for that all season long. But do I want the backside option to be the stuff that he's implementing? Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I want all the same things. Um, all those things I thought was interesting to see. Um, and frankly, the innovator of all, the kind of the guy that sparked it all, the guy that thought about it different, the guy who never played college football 
but changed college football forever um, is Mike Leach. And it sounds like he may be leaving us. My last note here on Leach, and one that I did not know until I was actually doing research on the North Carolina A&T game, um, I had not put together that Leach was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma when Kelvin Sampson was the head basketball coach at Oklahoma. And apparently they were also really good friends. Um, he said, uh, so in talking to the media on uh, Monday, Samson said that Leach would uh, come sit in the side corner of the radio shows at his own empty table with a bottle of wine and just let him have it. Like just heckle him while he was doing radio shows, which is like the most Mike Leach thing ever to heckle your basketball coach. You're having a good time with um, sounds like in Norman with this being a small, I guess you're close to Oklahoma city, but being a small town, those guys all really knew each other really, really well. Um, they'd all talk trash to one another and Leach would give him a hard time as, you know, Leach would give uh, Samson a hard time while Samson was giving callers a hard time about not knowing what they were talking about. And he said, who said, you know what, Jarvis? And those kinds of like, conversations were happening between these two in their respective sports coaching geniuses, right? Um, and <laughs> Leach said, like, whatever, or Samson said of Leach that whatever you've heard about him, he is that guy. He is the pirate guy. He is the car trip guy. He is the weird rambling metaphors guy. Um, and the press conference happened Monday afternoon, and I think it's worth pointing out that um, Samson had heard some of what was going on with Leach um, and was very, very visibly um, shaken and broken up. When after giving his own response, he asked the reporter, uh, Duarte of the Houston Chronicle, what have you heard latest? And Duarte said the same news I told you guys, that it sounds like he's kind of, people are saying the final, um, final goodbyes. Um, and Samson was just destroyed. I mean, had his head in his hands, gathered himself in the press conference. Um, that was rough. And, um, if you're looking for the kind of impact this guy's had on Samson or Holgerson or college football or, or, or college coaching, or just the way we think about sports in general, um, is that it's this fun thing that is supposed to be creative and spunky and quirky and different. And there's multiple ways to skin a cat. And, Leach did all of that very, very well um, and changed the sport forever. And frankly, Houston is still reaping the benefits of that and probably will forever um, until someone invents something more revolutionary than the forward pass, right? I mean, that's not that college football's got to be the main thing all the time. Not that sports had to be the main thing all the time, although this is, you know, Locked On Podcast Network. We talk about sports all the time. Um, Leach showed that all those things are, are fascinating and that you can push that like forward thought into things and it doesn't have to be done the same way it's been done all the time. Um, obviously I'll be, I'm, I'm kind of beat up about Mike Leach too. Um, I'm not, you know, I was not a Washington state Cougars fan by any stretch or a, uh, a Mississippi state fan. Certainly. Um, I, I rooted for tech in the sense that I like to see the state of Texas do very well. And that Michael Crabtree team was fun. Um, I, I've, my dad grew up in Lubbock, I guess. So I would be lying if I didn't say that. Was like nice to see them do okay. Um, but man, it's it's a hard one to swallow. And I'll be talking about it a lot on Twitter and Instagram, all those kinds of things. Uh, my family and I were texting about it on Monday afternoon, and evening. Like, oh my god, can you believe this is happening? Uh, if you want to talk about it too, or you want to talk about the college sports, you want to just talk about the North Carolina A and T game at some point on Tuesday. Make sure you hit me up on Twitter, Matt Painsworth five one two. It's P A I N S. W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, and all your various social media handles. Happy to talk Cougs, Leech, um, 
rockets, Astros, whatever you would like to talk about. I, sneakers. I'd rather talk about sneakers a lot than uh, famous football coaches passing away. It's hard to swallow. Um, always, always make sure you find me on Twitter to talk about those kinds of things. If you're looking for a second listen, I'm going to say go listen to Lockdown College Basketball because I have a segment on there and because we're looking at a lot of the same kind of stuff we talked about here on this show today. Thank you so much for listening to Locked on Cougs, making us your first list today. Locked on Cougs, the proud member of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Go Cougs!